Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface, Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook, and former Arsenal title winner Perry Groves as we look back on the weekend's Premier League action and what a weekend it was. Here's what's coming up. And they end the Premier League game with a centre-back pairing of Harry Maguire, who they clearly don't rate, and Johnny Evans, who, let's be honest, and it wasn't his fault they lost the game. Does any other club in the Premier League sign Johnny Evans? Certainly no other top four contender signs Johnny Evans. If Garnacho's goal is given and Arsenal get beat home after drawing 2-2 against Fulham last week, it's uh, Arteta's under pressure. And Arsenal fans would have been moaning a bit because we haven't played that well this season and we've still got 10 points. So (laughs) then it goes to actually you go into the international break on a massive high. The truth is, is that Chelsea had the opportunity, could have done, because Tottenham did it, sign Madison. They didn't because he was too old. They could have signed Jao Polinia. They didn't because he was too old. They were offered Jao Polinia. And, and, and ultimately, if you look at Chelsea's issues, a lot of it stems from the fact that the group has never really developed into a team. He will replace Erling Haaland at Manchester City when Manchester City sell him to Real Madrid. There's my prediction. There well, that'll be great news for the rest of the Premier League. So much to get through between us all over the next sort of 45 minutes or so. And what a brilliant weekend it was. I mean, I mean, a brilliant weekend unless you are maybe a Chelsea fan or a Manchester United fan. But pretty good if you're a Gooner. Football's the winner. We all, <laughs> love, we all love football, Sam. Football's the winner, especially like the game at the Emirates. Could have gone either way. And in the end, it went the right way. I was going to say to you, it must be nice now being able to concentrate on the football rather than spending all your time worrying about transfers and dealing with agents. But... I suppose you'd like to be ported back to Friday, wouldn't you? Yeah, I can't say I enjoyed large periods of that game um, on Sunday. But, we, listen, you always have a go at me for being grumpy, all right? I'm grumpy, OK? We noticed. Because I was ecstatic when Ganacho scored what I thought was a brilliant winning goal. Then the VAR check comes in, it gets rolled out. And all of a sudden, a game that United looked to have won, they end up losing 3-1, which wasn't really a fair reflection. But bizarrely... For someone who's usually very pessimistic, yeah. I'm actually a lot more optimistic about United than I was on Sunday morning. Explain that one. Was that because of the, the centre-half pairing that they brought on? <laughs> Is that our opportunity? Is Tom Hodgson going to be out playing midfield? He's in charge. He's with the under-21s. And he? I, think I, right. I heard Rio Ferdinand was going back next week to start Just to train, just yeah. Just to see. Just to uh, see I mean that, Anybody, and we get this a lot, Jim White tried it with me on deadline night. Are you going to give the Glazers, Glazers credit now? No. And they end the Premier League game with a centre-back pairing of Harry Maguire, who they clearly don't rate, and Johnny Evans, who, let's be honest, and it wasn't his fault they lost the game. Does any other club in the Premier League sign Johnny Evans? Certainly no other top four contender 
signs Johnny Evans. So yeah, that's the problem. Hopefully the injury to uh, Martinez isn't severe. Lindelof was ill, so he'll be okay for the Brighton game after his national break. But I think it was the performance of Rasmus Hoyland that excited me. Okay, well, um, we did wake up on Sunday morning to headlines that the Glazers are probably not going to sell Manchester United. Who would have thought that? <laughs> Haven't you been hearing that on Premier League All Access for about a year? <laughs> I think you might have been. Okay, let's get into the weekend's action. Alejandro Ganacho off the bench, looked like he was going to be the match-winning hero for Manchester United. Up came the dreaded red line, if you're a Manchester United fan, and the goal has been disallowed. In my perspective, it's not offside, and also because the angle is wrong. I think it can't be that this goal is rejected. The offside was like really tight, but Man United could have took the lead. But the end of the game was everything today. I'm hearing a lot of talk about VAR this, VAR that, but the truth is, look at the way United have started the season. Look, we're a joke. We don't have no style of play. And it looks like they've won it in the sixth added minute. Declan Rice, what a time to score his first Arsenal goal. Declan Rice today was absolutely outstanding. He, he showed he's done, he's done five million price tag for me today. I think the courage as well to play the way we play, to, to go for the goal and, and don't accept the draw. You know, that you are win to win, and I love that from the team. Could get worse for Eric Ten Hag. Jesus is through in goal. He's left a defender on his backside, and he scored for Arsenal. You deserve to win, but you don't always get what you deserve. And today was a day that was a lot against us. I think we fully deserve to win the game, uh, but the reality is that the margins against those top teams are really small, and it could have won in a different way. Well, only one place to start, and it is at the Emirates Stadium where Manchester United took the lead, but ultimately Arsenal walked away with the points and they bled out ice, ice, baby at the end, Perry, because Declan Rice, really, his goal was the turning point, was the moment that Arsenal knew they were going to secure all three points. It's, it's amazing how quickly football can change around because of the Garnacho goal. Right, which everybody celebrates, and he runs over to my United fans. Then it comes back, and in the end, Gabriel actually did quite well because he was the one who was isolated, and he didn't try and follow the run. That was like a shoulder. And everybody in the media, the narrative changes, isn't it? Because if Arsenal get beat two-one at home at the Emirates, obviously drawing against Fulham the week before, it's like Mikel Arteta's tinkering too much, and Arsenal ain't playing well. Then all of a sudden, then you see there Declan Rice pulls off the back from a Bukayo Saka corner where he's un- unmarked, which is scandalous, really, isn't it? Like. He had enough time to bring it down and get his volley yeah. off. I know it was a little defects thing off the journey average, right? Then it changes round to Arsenal find a way to win. And if I was Declan Rice, I'd be actually gutted that um, Jesus scored because I'd want to score the winner. <laughs> I want all the head. He probably will get the headlines. He'll still anyway. get the headlines, there's no doubt about it. Manchester United do need to look at their away form, don't they? Because that's what now. Three wins in their last 12 away games, seven defeats in their last 10 away from home in the Premier League. And they've lost heavily at places too during that period. This wasn't one of those heavy defeats, but it is becoming a habit. Yeah, six successive games now at the Emirates without victory. Uh, lost five of those, drawn the others. So it is a problem. It's an Achilles heel that, that Eric Ten Hag needs to find a solution for. But as I say, I think the, the cameo from Hoyland can fill United fans with a bit of confidence. Yes, they paid a lot of money for someone who's only really had one year at the top level over in Italy. But straight away, I think the first thing he did was come in and uh, barge Gabriel off the ball, or tried to anyway, gave that physical presence. He was berating Anthony for moving the ball on too quickly, telling him to calm down. He looks like he 
he belongs in that Manchester United shirt. Well, listen, speaking to people in Italy, I mean, they suggest that he is, he is a little bit arrogant, in a good way. Yeah. He believes in himself, he knows what talent he's got. He went from being the fourth choice striker at Atalanta last year to being the number one striker last year. Look, he costs 72 million quid, so obviously they've seen something in him. They believe that he is going to be able to develop into the focal point that they want, and they've, they've signed potential rather than proven talent. But Manchester United fans will have to be patient with him. It's not something that's going to turn overnight, but at least you could see with this Manchester United performance. And look, listen, they got beat 3-1 here, and we should be talking about Arsenal and ending the, the first part of the season, going into the international break, with them keeping tabs with Manchester City because one of the things that me and Parry were talking about was what would have happened if they'd given them a head start at this stage of the season but that didn't happen because of the stoppage time winner but with Manchester United even though they finish this period of the season the bottom half of the table there are one or two positives aren't they? Yeah um, and obviously you've got Amrabat to come into midfield I think that's much needed because there's just no legs in there with Ericsson and Casemiro not sure what's happened with Casemiro over the summer, but he doesn't look like he's up Apparently to speed. He starts slowly quite often. Right, okay. So, so some people tell me. Yeah, but the thing is, in the Premier League, you can't start slowly. No. It, you know what I mean? You can't say, oh, he's going to have six games to get into the level that he needs to be. The thing you said about Hoyland is, Marcus Rashford will love playing with him. Yeah. Because Hoyland will stretch the opposition and he'll, he'll set the press off. Where you've got Martial, you can't really press when you barely break into a jog, can you? If, you, if he's the one who wants to set off, then... And if you have Garnacho, the other side, then you've got three that are working going forward you know so um, I know you're trying to get positive out of Crookie but like two wins two losses ain't a great start and you said about their record just about beat Wolves and just about beat Nottingham away from home against the top nine the last ten games mm. they've played against Tottenham they've got one point yeah it's a problem, um, it a problem. But, but from an Arsenal perspective actually I spoke to Mikel Arteta about the importance of keeping tabs on Manchester City because they've started so well City and he got quite animated, surprisingly. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, we can't spend every week worrying about their result, you know, and needing a result. So I thought that was, that was quite telling about his mindset. He also said during his celebrations after Rice Girl yeah. that he stayed in his technical area. He, yeah. was, he was quite keen to He did, he out. did. He, he sort of crouched <laughs> down, sort of squatted as he celebrated. But he didn't celebrate as much, I think, as you celebrated when Garnacho scored. Because we were in the control room at the time uh, at Talk Sport. And you went for it, didn't you? Second goal at Arsenal, get to me! I thought you might have been up your, off your seat. And I hear you had physical contact with another member of the, uh, the press pack. Did you get your elbows out? Yeah, you? no, we, we had uh, Tom Rennie from TalkSport International sat next to me. And obviously you've got to remain professional at all times. <laughs> but didn't. I did give him a couple of jabs in the chest as Canacho <laughs> was going through. <laughs> Sorry about that. Impartial. Your scarf, your main United scarf got in his eyes. And what happened when the VAR check happened? Well, I dealt with it professionally on air. Yeah, a bit like you did when the VAR check uh, ruled out the penalty for um, um, Arsenal in the first half of the game. And you said, oh, oh it was for first part of the second half. Yeah, Havertz. Um, Havertz going down. And you said, uh, no, 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 you can't be giving penalties for that, even though we've seen early in the so, season penalties being given for exactly that. So you went from loving VAR to thinking VAR's ruining the game. <laughs> and just on the, well, listen, on the, are we, listen, let me ask you the question, because Eric Ten Hag, and, and he'll be criticising some quarters for this, Manchester United fans will naturally latch onto it, but he said to me for TalkSport, categorically, he's not offside, they, took, they drew the line from the wrong angle. Now, can we say categorically that they've got no. that decision right? No, How can they know 
when the ball has left. And I'll tell the you this now: well, there's to do with frames per second, and they haven't. And Gary Lineker is big on this in terms of they haven't got the equipment that can keep up with the movement of players because there's not enough frames per second to match it up to say exactly definitively that is so when Ten the ball Hag is could kicked. be right. So he could be right. He's definitely got a case. However, we all sat there and said the same thing: when you're ruling out goals. For that minimal infraction, it's not football. No, 100%. It's not football. I'm, I'm and, and he, this, this, is a, this is a gooner. I'm 100% right, I'm a gooner, right? And I'm thinking that we got to get out of Joe Free card, yeah. right? But, but is that what VAR is for? No, v, I, I think if no, you go... and obvious errors, so should, they shouldn't have turned the uh, but, Havertz but it's always. Do you know what? You're right on that. I don't think it was a penalty, but I agree with what you two guys were saying on the Sunday it's session. Not, it's not a clear and obvious error. It's not a how. But do they even use that as a rule anymore? I don't know. I don't, the problem is, I don't know. Howard because Webb you, said, you went to a briefing in the briefing, and he said he didn't want the VAR to re-referee the games yeah. and have as least intervention as possible. And you know, he said about the offside, right? I'm going, and I said a couple of years ago about the offside rule should be if any part of your legal uh, goal, sorry, part of your body is onside, then it's a goal I think because that's fair. it's always going to be in the defense. You know when Gabriel stands, right? Because Garnacho is leaning foot, and it's his left shoulder that they say is offside. So the forward's always going to be a disadvantage because you go in opposite ways. And also so, by doing that, what you end up doing is giving a slight advantage to the attacker. And therefore, if your theory about the frames per second and measuring the exact distance is correct, then the advantage to the attacker is already priced in. So changing the law in that regard surely achieves what we want to achieve, which is more goals rather than finding yeah. ways to rule out goals. And also, you, you, want, you don't want to take... We, we had the chat about it, Sam, didn't we? The unadulterated joy of a goal being scored, apart from when it's your team that's got against and you think it's funny. I've yeah. got to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I've had the best day ever watching you two because I've been listening to you getting so excited and then coming in here so irate, sweating with anger. And then I spent the day with him... And his eyes just light. He couldn't believe the Rashford counter-attacking goal because he just said 10 seconds before, you know what's going to happen here, that it's all Arsenal. They're going to counter-attack and score an opener. And then as soon as it happened, he was like, that's it. Exactly what I said was going to happen has happened. And it was just brilliant, the wave of emotions. And one of the things that we love about football, and I came away from the show today thinking, this is the best day ever because it was just Great drama right at the very end. That game swung and uh, the narrative in the papers, in the media, on the radio changes like that. Yeah. Because if Garnacho's goal is given and Arsenal get beat home after drawing 2-2 against Fulham last week, it's uh, Arteta's under pressure. And Arsenal fans would have been moaning a bit because yeah. our, we haven't played that well this season and we've still got 10 points. So mm. then it goes to actually you go into the international break on a massive high. You know, you hope that your players go away and they come back, they're not injured. But then, it's, he, he'll sit there and think, actually, we're not playing nowhere near as well as it were as smooth as last season. And we've still got 10 points with slum beaten. So it, it just changes in like a nanosecond. There's a couple of criticisms for Mikel Arteta, and I don't think we should shy away from those. The fact that he took until the 75th minute to bring on a substitute. You were pulling uh, what little hair you've got left out at that <laughs> It was out of my nose and out of my ears. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. You, you were furious about it. Um, and also... The continuation with the Havertz experiment, which doesn't seem to be working, although he could have won the penalty, he missed a glaring chance. And Saka missed a glaring chance as well during the game, that should be said too. Yeah, they had chances, Arsenal, but you know my views on Kai Havertz. And I'm not basing this on four appearances for Arsenal, I'm basing it from what we saw at Chelsea. I, I just, 
I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's good enough for what for the Premier League, the Premier in, League. The, in the top four, like yeah. Champions League. I think the issue is, and I don't know if you agree with this, is that the, the Premier League is played at a certain pace. Mm. It's a greater tempo to many of the other leagues in European football. As a result of that, you have to have a certain level of fitness and sharpness. If you don't have, it might just not suit your game. I think Romelu Lukaku has almost fallen into this category as well, where you're a player that may well be a world-beater, may well be brilliant in certain different conditions. But in the Premier League, the hurly-burly of the Premier League, where everything has to be done at lightning-quick speed, where every touch has to be a decisive one, you have to be a certain type of player. I'm not sure he is. Also as well, I think it's the language style that he has. Because he's he's, a big, he's about six three six four isn't he? So he's he's big. He doesn't use that physicality because he's one of like a floater, isn't he? Drifter. Technically, there's no doubt in, in quality. But is that our so, fault for not appreciating that? Well, I think or is I, it because he doesn't do what he should for? I don't think he sells himself when you look at his body language That's, and you look at the way that he sort of labours through games. Do you know what the point you made though? Really interesting. One Sebastian Veron, superb for Manchester United in the Champions League. Couldn't do it in the Premier League. Mm. And I don't think it's a coincidence. That actually, if you look at Havertz's career, the reason Chelsea fans love him is because of what he, what he did in, in Europe Chelsea, yeah. as opposed to what he did in the Premier League. And also, when you're going through, like, Arteta started him every game. So he's saying, you know, we've got to be patient. But I said, even with Man United fans, how long can you be patient for when you've got a player that's playing in the Granite Zaka position that hasn't had an assist and hasn't caught a goal? And when you haven't got the ball... And missed chances. Yeah, missed chances. But fans will go with you. You know, if you're... Like Arsenal like to press and you're like closing down and you're trying to work your way through it. He doesn't look like that sort of player. No. And you said so then his body language doesn't do him any favours. I did really love the 90 seconds between the 27th and the 29th <laughs> minute of the game where basically Manchester United took the lead and then Arsenal went, look, we're going to have to score now. And within about 15 seconds, they went up the other end and did exactly that and Erdegaard swept them back level. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Um, Arsenal winning again five in a row now against Manchester United at the Emirates Stadium. Let's turn our attention to another of Sunday's games. Liverpool uh, beating Aston Villa by three goals to nil. And Mo Salah, who's had a bit of a turbulent week. I think there's been some interest in him uh, from somewhere. <laughs> and that might not go away. No, the, uh, the Saudi transfer window remains very much open. Uh, obviously, you broke the story on Friday morning of that £150 million bid that's gone in. We were expecting a second bid that could actually potentially make him the most expensive player in world football. That hasn't come yet, but I think they'll try again, how, how Etihad. Are you pleased for him, or pleased for Liverpool, maybe not pleased is the right word, but are you impressed by the fact that he managed to keep his head and play as well as he did in that game against Aston Villa, despite what swirling around him? Attitude was absolutely spot on. You know, you know with uh, Mo Salah that he's always going to be a threat, and I think he couldn't have picked a better team to play against. We talk about Aston Villa, where they want to press and they keep a high line, and then Liverpool just kept just dinking it in that sort of right-hand channel where Nunes could get onto it and Salah get onto it. But it, you know, when I say about your heads being turned, mm. and um, you've had players that virtually got on, you had Carcedo got on strike, didn't he, at Brighton when he looked like he would get his move to Arsenal, and. You just think, as an ex-player, I'm like, no, you should always conduct yourself in the right way. Because I wouldn't want to be thought that people thought that I was a complete and utter bleep yeah. when that move was, you know... I don't think he's that type of character. He's not, exactly, yeah, his attitude. Have we got a machine for the bleep? Have we got a machine, we got a machine for the bleep? Yeah, next time, we'll just bleep it for you. All right, OK, then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was a dump button. <laughs> right. um, yeah, his attitude was absolutely exemplary. And the money that the Saudis have... And Liverpool, no, they're not for sale. Like, so it's what, 150 million. Then it goes to 200 million. Then it goes to 
a quarter of a million. They, money's no object to them, is it? And if, and he, if you're he, Liverpool, when do you get to the point where you think, he's 31, he's going to have one year left on his contract next summer, you're getting offered money which you can sort of reinvest in the squad and finish your stadium refurbishments. It's, it's, it's a special amount now. When do they start thinking we should take it? I still think it'll be next summer um, as opposed to this, just because... January? Maybe January because they would still have the potential to source a replacement. Yeah. So it's not going to be pure profit, is it? Because you need to spend that money to try and fill the void. But it's, it's a nice problem to have, though, isn't it? How to spend yeah. the money. It's not a bad situation to be in. Yeah, yeah. but also, but Jurgen Klopp, obviously real rebuilding the midfield area with Sabozlai and McAllister. And he's been backed, isn't he, in that midfield area. And he's got his five forwards that he can like, pick three from. Yeah. He think, and I actually believe that Liverpool are genuine title contenders. I know a lot, yes, I do. Yeah. A lot of the Manchester United fans I was on the train with on Sunday coming down to London was suggesting that what they're worried about is not necessarily this year with Liverpool, but next year with Liverpool, once they've all bedded in and they maybe have got rid of Salah, not got rid of, but have sold Salah and replaced him with another couple of young talents coming into the side. Is that a possibility? I, I, I think they're genuine. Think this year? I think this year, but I know defensive they've got their problems. Obviously. They've got defensive problems, but also actually they've got problems in front of goal as well because actually 3-0 today flatters Aston Villa. They should have scored more. And, and once again, a typically chaotic performance from Darwin Nunez, who is absolutely a handful. There's no doubt about it. He's a strong physical presence, very fast. But, I mean, he sometimes gets caught out in two different minds. There was one chance that he missed today. I mean, you called Nicholas Jackson's the sitter of the season. This might be close to eclipsing that, where he pikes towards the ball because he can't work out whether to go with his feet (laughs) or his head. So he goes with both. Yeah, but you've got um, it for Matty Cash's own goal. It's obviously Salah who gets in behind and he flicks it to he hits Nunes, the post, and then he has his shot first time and hits and it's the post. So hard that it comes back comes back and it goes. Yeah. But I, I just think as well, you're um, really excited about Hoyland. I think Liverpool fans with Nunes playing up front mm. and they know that you go, he will get you. He'll miss his chances, but he'll keep getting against Newcastle. That he'll, he'll keep getting there and keep getting there. He, he will get you, if you give him a run of games, he'll get you between 18 and they're, 20. Their best player at the moment at this moment in time is Shaboshlai. He's been absolutely fantastic. He has not only added an injection of pace and guile and speed going forward, he's come up with some brilliant creative moments. He scored a terrific goal today. We were right behind it. The camera was right behind him. We were watching it. And as soon as he got hold of the ball, we were like, that's going to be a goal straight into the bottom corner. But he's influenced games, not only going that way, but defensively as well. He's happy to do the work. He's got great physicality. Yeah, and he's probably ahead of schedule. Because again, I think when he was signed, if you speak to even Kev Hatchard, who touts everything to come out of Germany as being yeah. the next big thing. Yeah. He was saying he that, even, actually, He's even gone out and bought a Volkswagen Polo. <laughs> but he was saying it's raw potential. You know, that Again, they're investing in potential. But the fact he's hit the ground running, I think, is a nice bonus for Liverpool. Um, Aston Villa, let's talk about them. We said it on the Sunday session. If you want uh, to set up against Liverpool, this is not how you do it. And basically, Unai Emery, three centre-halves, all wanting to play out from the back. Liverpool love pressing. They did that at will. When they did have the ball, Aston Villa, they pushed up to the halfway line, left loads of space for Mo Salah to run in behind. It was almost like, if you want to lose against Liverpool, do this. Why did he do it? It's, yeah, it's just a joke because um, since I know we've been there, uh, Villa have been pretty good away from, I think they won seven out of 15 away from home, which mm. is a good ratio. Mm. But they've got their bum smacked at Newcastle 
and then you would think, right, we're, we're going to go to Liverpool, we're going to set out and we're positive, but we're going to play as a unit. But they weren't, they were just far too stretched. And you said there, they played the back three, that wasn't working. They went to a, a back four and they still kept a high line and Liverpool thought, right, oh, do we just keep dinking it over the top? What you have to do, you have to drop off when there's no pressure on the ball. And you said there, the first 20, 25 minutes we were watching, it was, if, it was a closing down session for Liverpool, wasn't it? Then, like Villa trying to get him out from the back and Martinez looking, thinking who's, who he can pass it to. Um, Diego Carlos was trying to get himself on the ball, but then Nunes would go and close him down. And then when you're playing in a closing down team and the opposition doing that, it, all it does is just gives you that extra incentive to keep being on the front foot. So, um, as you said there, it could, it could have been the good thing for um, Aston Villa is that they, they got in and, and it wasn't four, it could have been four or five in the first half only, easily. Only Fulham and Burnley have conceded more goals than Aston Villa so far uh, this season. It reminded me a little bit of the performance they put in at Manchester United where they decided to play that high line and got done. And it could have been, again, Manchester United could have won that two or three, maybe even four. Um, also on Sunday, Crystal Palace beat Wolverhampton Wanderers by three goals to two. There was a late scare in this game, um, but actually Crystal Palace played really well in the second half. The first half started with Wolves on the front foot but actually Crystal Palace crept back into it. Roy Hodgson's done very well, hasn't he? I mean, if you look, he's only lost three of his 14 Premier League games since coming back. And all of a sudden, he's turned them into the entertainers. I mean, who that, had that down as a five-goal thriller <laughs> at Selhurst Park? He had nil-nil written all over it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a strange one with Roy Hodgson because we were talking about this, I think, last week, and you were suggesting that, or somebody I was talking to was suggesting maybe he should have walked away at the end of the last season, having kept them up and didn't want to go out on a low after being relegated with Watford. But I think he's got a new lease of life because he knows now this will be his last job. And he's just determined to make the most of it. He and he's got is. some really talented young players there as well, by the way. He really has. Uh, and Wolverhampton Wanderers themselves, we should have a quick mention for them because they never score more than one goal in a game. They, they barely ever score one goal in a game. Uh, but they managed to score two goals in a game at the weekend because of substitutes. And Gary O'Neill certainly influenced uh, the match from the bench. That's the first time in nine Premier League matches that they managed to score two goals in a Premier League game. I, I'm trying to work out whether or not I think they're going to be okay because of the way that they play. And they're, they're certainly entertaining and, and they're putting some good performances. Or are they not going to be okay because they're playing this well and they're not putting points on the board? But that's why we were surprised when the teams come out that Kaladzic wasn't in the starting line because he's got two in two before that. Um, and he gives you that physical uh, presence. Again, he gives that threat in behind. I think that uh, Wolves going to be all right because you'd be more worried if you weren't creating chances you know you, we're going to talk about sort of Burnley later on you know and, and teams that uh, are going to be down at the bottom and fighting for survival but I've seen I saw um, Wolves against Brighton even though they got beat 4-1 they still had they were still in the game they still had I think Fabio Silva had a 1v1 eight Nori had a 1v1 so they weren't clinical enough but from Crystal Palace's point of view who would have thought how many times do you think that Roy Hodgson in his career has made his substitution where he's put an extra forward on and gone two up top and not taking the forward off. So he led Edouard on, didn't he put Mateta up front with him. And Mateta had his like, two assists. Edouard gets his two goals. I do think there's a little bit of defiance, though, in that group. Because afterwards he was saying, although we won and we got three points, I was a little bit upset that we weren't harder to beat. <laughs> which, which is a typical Roy Hodgson yeah. thing to say when you've just won 3-2 and lost the goal in the last few minutes, which almost made it pretty and tense. And doing this without Elise. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? So they're, they're, that's going to be like a new signing when he comes back in. Indeed. Um, let's move on because uh, Saturday was particularly entertaining, especially uh, if your team 
or your fantasy team had one of the hat-trick heroes. Now hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Into the box, Dan Juma is there and an equaliser is tapped in. In front of the Everton fans, away to our left-hand side, it's 2-2. Burnley 1, Tottenham 5, a Son Premier League hat-trick. He's been living the dream today. He's looked dangerous for the entirety of this game. The noise will tell you the story. Brentford 2, Bournemouth 2. And Brian and Bumo, who should have scored at the start of this second half, has now scored in injury time. Another goal here at the Etihad. Guess who? John Dunn. And it's full time, and it is Manchester City 5, Fulham 1, Erling Haaland with almost the last kick of the game has completed his hat-trick he got six last season that is the first of this season got the ball back Forrest Awani slips it through Ingala suddenly free inside the area and he scored Nottingham Forest lead at Stamford Bridge brilliant strike from Anthony Alanga his first ever Nottingham Forest goal game over Brighton 3 Newcastle 0 in fact it isn't Brighton 3 it's Evan Ferguson 3 Newcastle 0 and uh, this kid he's 18 years old not 19 until next month and I'll tell you what he's already a super talent well, where should we start? Stamford Bridge? Okay, if we must. Um, the mood at Chelsea was bleak again last night. Chelsea have also been booed off more times by their home fans than the number of victories that they've recorded since the start of last season. What a great statistic that is. Um, Chelsea had all of the ball in this game against Nottingham Forest, 76% of it. Uh, they managed some promising, pretty build-up play, but were about as deadly as a Nerf gun in attack. Uh, 21 shots. Two on target, and Nicholas Jackson, poor fella, with a contender of miss of the weekend. I mean, there's quite a few of them. Um, you both there. Is it as bad as it looks? I, I said before that um, Chelsea just remind me of a under-21 like development squad who've got three senior players in there trying to 
help them out. And that's exactly what it looked like because they've only got, um, I think Ben Chua is the third oldest and he's 26. Yeah, the squad and is too young. The age profile of it, the average age of Chelsea's summer signings was just 20.5. And their immaturity is showing, isn't it? I don't know about you, Fort Crooked. I, in, in those games when you're under a little bit of pressure, you look around and you think, right, who's, gonna, who's got the experience just to calm everybody down and think we've been this before? There wasn't. Because he could... The Ben Chilwell experiment isn't working, you know, where he's playing like the hybrid sort of left winger and Levi Colwell's at, at left back. That's not working at all. And in the end, he had six forwards on. Pochettino, just like he just thought, right, I've got to get as many forwards on as possibly he can. Ryan Sterling went up front with uh, Nicholas Jackson. I think um, Madueke was on the right-hand side. You had uh, Fernandez obviously trying to uh, join in as well. Cole so Palmer come off the bench. Cole Palmer well. looked... Quite decent, didn't quite sharp, yeah. had a few little put, but, but you can't take anything from Nottingham Forest because they defended absolutely fantastically. And their back three, uh, McKenna, Worrell and Bolly, that was over my dead body. Defending when they were just frying their bodies in front of the ball. OK, well, we, we, instead of going on about the game, because I think probably you've summed it up quite nicely, let's talk about the issues. We'll come back to Nottingham Forest in just a second because I spoke to Steve Cooper on Sunday morning and he said that's got to be... The, the, the target, the marker of how we go forward when we're playing away from home, because traditionally their, their, home, their away form has been terrible. Um, let's talk about Chelsea and the problems that he has there, because it's not all about talent and potential, is it, playing football? Actually, it's about building a football team, nurturing a group and making them able to compete at the level that you require. And the truth is, is that Chelsea had the opportunity, could have done, because Tottenham did it, Simon Madison. They didn't because he was too old. They could have signed Jao Polina. They didn't because he was too old. They were offered Jao Polina. And, and, and ultimately, if you look at Chelsea's issues, a lot of it stems from the fact that the group has never really developed into a team. They've got 32 first-team players. Poch has already said he wants just 25. They failed to get rid of at least four players on deadline day. So how on earth is he going to manage this group going forward? With no European football in order for him to rotate or include other players in? Well, he's their best asset. Let's make no mistake about that. I, I, look at the results. Actually, our producer who didn't want him there in the first place texted me last night and said, I hope on the Game Day podcast you're going to give me an apology. And me. He texted me this morning <laughs> to tell me that he wanted an apology on the podcast. He keeps well, saying Pochettino. Yeah. He wants Pochettino out. Which is, uh, this is a Chelsea fan who, who's been a Chelsea fan for a long time. He wants Pochettino out. So, and I said to him, are you mad? Yeah, because he, he, he is their biggest weapon. And I think if they give him time, he, he will stumble upon the right formula. He will improve these young players that have been signed for potential. But you're right, the makeup of the squad looks all wrong. Um, their best player, arguably, is still Thiago Silva, and he's older than Perry. And by the way, he is playing in a back four. I know Chelsea fans have been saying we well, are playing He had in to back respond three. to a tweet. Exactly. Someone was having a go four. at him, yeah. saying he should be out of the team yeah. because they need to play in a back four. And he said, well, we are playing in a back four. Yeah. I'm not sure Levi Colwell's covered himself in glory. I don't think actually on form for Chelsea... He deserves his place in the England squad. He doesn't well, what want to get last back season. for the, the goal. He, he didn't look, he looked like he was running in tree. Yeah. The thing is, though, but that all comes because obviously Ben Chirwa is playing as the left winger. Levi Koa is out playing as a left back. That's so right. he's got too and much ground. He's, to make up. he's got loads of ground to make up. And I don't think Awonyi was given enough credit for the pass that he put forward to Alanga because I just thought he just played Langer in, which was a brilliant run. He's actually nutmegged Thiago Silva. He's actually put it through his legs. But that's because Chelsea's shape is 
not right. And they're, they're just in, even in possession, they're a bit clunky. Like Conor Gallagher was trying to get himself on the ball, being busy. Fernandez wasn't really involved, was he? Playing in the ten position. So Caicedo did quite well, apart from giving the ball away for the goal. And actually, his two biggest contributions so far are to concede a penalty on his debut and, and to give Forrest the winner. So listen, it's not great from a Chelsea perspective. I did hear a whisper last week that Pochettino, who usually we know is very affable, very upbeat, he was just getting a bit grumpy about the fact they didn't sign a number nine because Nicholas Jackson for me, still looks a long way short of being a top four player at the moment. Well, listen, he's 21 years of age. You know, he's got, there's a lot of good things about him. I said to you in pre-season, I'm cautiously optimistic about him, but not overly optimistic that he's going to come this season. We shall see. Uh, let's stop talking about Chelsea because it's depressing. Let's talk about Nottingham Forest. Elanga's first goal for Forest, his first goal in 44 club appearances. Finished it well. He did finish it well and he's going to be an asset. They wanted to get rid of Brennan Johnson in the end because they needed to make room for the multitude of players that they signed on deadline day. But their squad looks better now than it did at the end of last season. And if they can add some away at performances, they're going to stay up no problem. I thought you were going to say their squad looks better than Chelsea's, Chelsea's. for a minute. Actually, no, it looks better organised. If you, look, if you were on yesterday. More balanced, doesn't yeah. it? Well, if you'd, I actually thought Awanyi was excellent up yeah, front. Brilliant. Very Terrific. good. Because what he, again... When you're playing, Morgan Gibbs-White will enjoy playing with him because they yeah. had a little, few little uh, passing movements yesterday. He actually engages centre-halves where Thiago was one instance in the first half where the ball got played to bounce in the box and he backed and backed into Thiago Silva and he couldn't get round him. And he's like hooked it with a volley. Um, and I actually thought Nottingham Forest could have played off of him a little bit more than what they did because yeah. they were trying to play out from the back and Chelsea were pressing them. They were giving the ball away, weren't they, in the first sort of 20, 25 minutes. But um, there, there's no doubt in my mind Nottingham Forest are not going to be involved uh, in a relegation battle like what they were towards the end of last season. He tipped them to go down this uh, year. Well, that was before they signed 27 players between uh, the day we did the preview and the, at the start of the season. Um, so look, I mean, look, I hope they stay up. You know I'm a big fan of Steve Coopers and uh, I'm a big fan of Nottingham Forest. Manchester City 5, uh, Fulham 1. Um, big fan of Erling Haaland as well. Who wouldn't be? But Manchester City only managed seven shots in this game, five of them on target, and scored with every single one. And that's because it was a really close game. It was really tight. Fulham did brilliantly. They held them at bay. Haaland creates a goal for Alvarez and all of a sudden you think Fulham are going to collapse. They don't. They come back. They get a goal straight away from Tim Ream from a set piece. And then, and then, the biggest howler of the weekend from a VAR perspective and it changes the whole game. He's offside. He's offside. He's offside. Hanyu's offside. It's inexplicable. It. It's, it's dumb. inexplicable that they've not corrected that. I mean, what are they watching? What are they seeing that we're not? He stood in front of the goalkeeper. He's impeding the goalkeeper's view. It's offside. It's the, it's the easiest decision you'll ever have to make. And Marco Silva was right to be furious because City fans will say, well, we, we score five goals anyway. That but changed. the score was 1-1, one, one, wasn't yeah, it? That it changed, yeah, exactly. It's changed. a huge moment. It was 1-1. One, one. It changed to 2-1 as a result of this. Huge moment. And the thing is, it is important that Kanji is standing in front of him because he makes a movement towards the, the, the ball. And we went through the, uh, the, the laws of the game. And if you make a movement that may impede your opponent from playing the ball or attempting to play the ball then it's offside if you're in his line of sight and you're in an offside position. And exactly that situation did occur. I cannot understand for the life of me why that goal wasn't ruled out. And it's a massive VAR um, issue. And look, we try our best on a weekly basis, Perry and I. We do a show on TalkSport on the Sunday session where we try and find the reasons behind many of the refereeing decisions. 
But this season has become very difficult to do that, hasn't it? Do you think the standard of officiating is even worse this year than it was last year? Certainly I, not got any better. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, think, I think their minds are scrambled. I think the thing that is amazing... My mind is scrambled. We can't, we can't even agree on what's handball with, anymore. With, with the VAR, there's an assistant VAR as well. So there's another pair of eyes. So you've got two pairs of eyes sitting, watching it on the screen, both agreeing with it, saying, no, he's in the middle of the six-yard box. Mm. So when Nathan Ake heads it, he's in the middle. So uh, Bert Leno's, Bert Leno's got to try and look through him, and then he can't... Uh, make his decision until he knows whether Kanji is going to touch the ball or let it go. Yeah. So that that delays his decision. So it's, it's everybody in, in football who knows their football will just look at that straight away. Himself, Even if so. you don't see the other angles, you know we, we're quite lucky to see the angle from Bert Leno's angle from. He's, he's standing in the middle of the six-yard box, and that's where the header comes. You just go, it's, it's offside. It's it, not it's, rocket science. It's absolute crackers, isn't it? Um, uh, the good news is, is that Manchester City won 5-1, despite the fact that their manager didn't bother to turn up. Um, <laughs> their main striker hardly had a touch of the ball, and their backup striker has now only got 14 goals in 14 starts at the Etihad Stadium. I'm sure they're going to be really easy to pull back in. Um, let's talk about Spurs. What a great start to the season for Ange Postacoglu. And any thoughts that maybe the idea of going out of the Carabao Cup would have dampened their spirits, would have whipped away in the first few minutes of that game. Well, actually, the first few minutes were a bit dodgy because they went one behind, but the way they responded to that was terrific. Yeah, and actually Burnley's been a, a difficult place for Tottenham to go at times. It was where you had your famous uh, Antonio Antonio moment with Conte, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it? I forgot about A few that. seasons ago. So, again, I think early in the season, but the fact they did concede a ground where they haven't got a particularly good record, and came back not just to win, but absolutely batter them in the end. I think that tells you where they're at, how much they've improved already temperament-wise under Ange Postacoglu. They're playing much better football than Spurs fans have been accustomed to. I won't give them a free pass for the League Cup. I think it's brainless making nine changes when you're only in three competitions anyway mm. and your fan base are desperate to try and win a trophy. Also, you're missing a touch point, aren't you? Because Ange Postacoglu has come in and he's, he's, the, he's the new hero. Everyone's singing about him. Robbie Williams is... He's chirping away, saying that he's the one. And then he makes a mistake, I think, with understanding what the fans want. Yeah. Because the fans' response to that exit at Fulham was actually quite severe, I think. They are desperate. The fans. They are desperate for a trophy. The, like the Carabao Cup, and Spurs fans give me a little bit of stick, you know, apart from last year being above Arsenal for six years. And you say, in the last 15 years, Wigan... Leicester City and Birmingham City have won more trophies than what Spurs have. Swansea. And Swansea. So that puts it in a bit of perspective. Um, they said there, no um, European football. Yeah, it was just so, and he's got, he's, got, he's got time to work with his team anyway. But I thought his interview was really good afterwards when he said, obviously, the win then helps managers with the players trying to buy into the way that you want them to, want them to play. Yeah. And then the only thing I've written down, you know, it's his joy. Spurs fans and the Spurs players on the pitch are playing with joy because of the way that he wants them to play. And putting Son up front was a bit of a masterstroke, to be fair, because he'll stretch. He, he led the press brilliantly. Yeah. He did more sprints than anybody else, applied more pressures than anybody else on the pitch. He, he terrifically took his goals, three good finishes. I mean, I think he hates Burnley. He scored that wonder goal <laughs> against them. He's got something against them. Uh, but he was superb. And 10 points from four games certainly is a good start. The only caveat I'd say to that is the first Burnley goal 
that they score in the game is the one that sends Burnley in front after a few minutes actually highlights what Burnley are capable of and what Tottenham's fragilities are. Burnley have had a really tough start. They've played Aston Villa, Manchester City and Tottenham so far. So I wouldn't be panicking too much about them a lot yet. Of goals, though. But the problem in the Premier League, yeah, they've considered a lot of goals, and the biggest problem is is that you can't play catch-up in the Premier League because no. that is a, it's a, you're on a hiding to nothing. Try and pull your way yeah, back in. Your confidence just starts away. And just looking at, but I just think they're too, they're just just too open. I think they're too easy to play for. And obviously in the Championship where they had better players technically in the opposition, when they could play out from the back and split the centre halves and play through the lines, if you give the ball away in the Premier League as we saw against Spurs, then it's more ruthless and more clinical, and you can't afford that. Sort of I worry a bit for the young goalkeeper as well, James Trafford, because it does bear hallmarks Confidence. of what happened with Bazunu at Southampton last year. When he and a little bit what happened with Aaron Ramsdale when he was at Sheffield United initially, the yeah. first few months of that season. Yeah, if you don't get protected by your defenders, a young goalkeeper, suddenly you're picking the ball out of the net on a regular basis. Your confidence, and I'm told he's a very confident character, James well, Trafford, is, yeah. it starts to ebb away and all of a sudden that potential maybe isn't quite as big as it once was. Okay, I hope that ha- doesn't happen. The other hat-trick hero of course, came down at Brighton's Amex Stadium. They beat Newcastle three goals to one. I thought Newcastle's approach to this game was pretty naive, really. You've seen how to beat Brighton. It's the West Ham way. It's suck up um, loads of pressure and possession from the uh, opponents and then hit them on the counter-attack. They didn't do that. They probably didn't show them enough respect. But we'll focus, because uh, we're running out of time, on Evan Ferguson. Three goals, 18 years of age. Only three other players have ever done that. And Crookie tried to sort of tease us with it um, in our little text message group. Brilliant trivia question. Um, Who are they? The three players of 18 years of age, before they were 19, that have scored Premier League hat-tricks? It's got to be Michael Owen. Michael Owen. Robbie Fowler. Robbie Fowler. Chris Bart Williams. Chris Bart Williams. How did you get that? I, so I, I love know, the fact just that he's pretending he never heard the question or the answers before then. It's match of the day last night. We got the old coffee major (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Coffee major, that's a who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, was a, um, it was also on every single website in the report of every single To be match. fair, I was out of action last night. I didn't actually see Max in the day. So I oh, didn't well, it's know because that. It felt like you were out of action for most of today as yeah, well. Exactly, you were getting yeah. so carried away with Manchester United. <laughs> it reminds me, I've said before, of Norman Whiteside. He's a £100 million pound player, by the way. Well, already. I think he probably is. I mean, when you look at what's going for £80 million, pound, your boy Anthony... Uh, I would pay £100 million for Ferguson instead, wouldn't you? There's the goal, the first goal, which is the rebound that comes off of um, Pope, doesn't it, right? So that's inst- you know, instinct where you just go, right, I'll, I'll, I'll go for the, um, the rebound. So his goal where he uh, bends it, he picks it up, and then Dan Byrne runs away, and then Cher runs away as well. It's had the composure just to take his time and just think, right, I'm just going to caress it and bend it in, the bottom, in Nick Pope's bottom left-hand corner. That's when you just go, there's someone who's got, in his head, he's got a pit. You can coach all you like. You can coach with the closing down. You can coach with technique. But you have to have a picture. And he reminds me as well, someone so young, that when he's in possession, not like Berbatov used to, where you just you calm yourself down mm. and you've got all the maelstrom that's going on around you. But you can, and he's 18. He's 18. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't want to big it up too much and say this is all that's going to happen because you never know what happens to a kid of that age with that much attention. But Joel Veltman told me today that he's a very calm, down-to-earth guy and even take, takes scoring a hat-trick in the Premier League in its stride. It's which is good. To, it's good to hear. No I think in the future, here's a prediction for you, he will replace Erling Haaland at Manchester City when Manchester City sell him to Real Madrid. There's my prediction.
Well, that'll be great news for the rest of the Premier League. Yeah. What about him up front with Erling Haaland for a season? Oh, crikey. Go back to the old 4-4-2. <laughs> that would be uh, tough for everybody else to take. OK, let's look at the rest of the action very quickly. We're going to whiz around the other three games, but first of all, we just want to talk a little bit about Jaden Sancho because we said at the beginning of the podcast that Eric Ten Hag had just finished his his press duties uh, as we were recording this, and he had said that he didn't pick Jaden Sancho in the squad because uh, he hadn't trained very well. That was the the quotes coming out of the press conference. Well, Jaden Sancho has responded, and what did he say, Crook? He has taken a social media and he's told us not to believe. Everything that we read, I will not allow people, he says, saying things that are completely untrue. I've conducted myself in training very well this week. I believe there are other reasons for this matter that I won't go into. I've been a scapegoat for a long time, which isn't fair, says Jaden Sancho. We didn't hear Eric Ten Hag say these comments. They are being reported by other media outlets. If Eric Ten Hag has said that and then that's the response from the player, he is directly saying that the manager is not telling the truth, isn't he? Yeah, and that's a problem um, because this is a player that... Manchester United spent a lot of money on. You know that I've been quite critical of Jadon Sancho. I don't think he's repaid anywhere near the money that was shelled out for him. Ten Hag will say that they have nursed him through situations off the pitch. They've given him time to get his head together and get back to focusing on football. And Ten Hag would say that he still hasn't delivered. Clearly, Jadon Sancho is suggesting that maybe he's not been given the opportunity to deliver. But it's not a great situation to be in when there's a it's, clear rift between manager it's and not, player. And we should also point out that he has had mental health problems and he has had issues off the field. And I do hope that this doesn't, in, in, in the end, engender more of those coming to the fore and he gets the care that he needs. But as, as a player, and I'm trying to put myself in Jadon Sancho's position, is we don't know whether Eric Tenko... You said it's reported in other media outlets, right? Well, I said it happened in the press conference, right, so okay. it will be out there. Right, if it did, then if it was your player, then you should go and see the manager yeah. before both media. before you go social media. You go to see the manager, you knock on his door and say... If, you, if he has said it, you've heard it, you say, like, Gaffer, I'm not being funny, I'm not very happy with what you said there, I think I've been training OK, and you've put it out there that my attitude's bad. Where do you go from here? But then as soon as you do that, the rift, which is like minor becomes massive okay. and you, the last thing you want is it playing out in in the public domain yeah it's the last thing you need i don't yeah. think he's posting from a position of power when it comes to the manchester united fan base either mm. if, it, if it becomes a a choice between sancho and ten Hag, they're going to pick ten Hag. a little ball genius all day every day right especially for you just perry there's quite a few of them about <laughs> that, um okay whiz through a couple of games um uh, let's start with uh, the brentford game 2-2 against bournemouth Point for Bournemouth when they thought they were going to get all three. They just refused to lose, don't they, Brentford, at home. Thomas Frank said, this is a fantastic game. It was a brilliant game. And it is entertainment. It's always entertainment whenever Brentford play, especially at home. West Ham beat Luton on Friday night by two goals to one. Um, West Ham fans are in absolute dreamland. We had Karen Brady on the show on Sunday, on the Sunday edition, with Henry Winter and Sean Custis. And she said, look... We made a mistake getting rid of David Moyes the first time. We've given him the choice of the players that come into the club. It's all down to him. He's got the ones that he wanted this summer. They seem to be doing a good job so far. At one point this weekend, they were top of the table. I want a yes or no answer. Was there a 95th minute penalty that should have been given for Luton, though? James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse. Hamble. Hamble? Hamble. Okay. I think we're all in agreement on that. Sheffield United 2, Everton 2, world-class save from uh, our good friend Jordan Pickford who called it himself 
a weldy. It was. Uh, and it was a weldy. <laughs> it wasn't it was a double. Yet. It was a double save. I spoke to him afterwards and he was absolutely delighted. I then saw him the, the same night at the fight that I went to on Saturday night as well. And he was in good spirits and so he should be because he put in a particularly good uh, performance. Um, but there are worries at Everton, aren't there? And that is the financial situation because Sean Dyche told us that the business model has changed. I asked him if it had changed since he'd been in charge and he said it had. And they're paying for Beto on the drip. They're paying over, they're not paying now, they're paying next year. It's all, I mean, he even openly said that. I mean, he said that we're in, we've got so many problems here, it's difficult to manage. And but he'll, he, he won't care if Beto is going to be paid over, like uh, Nicolas Pepe was at Arsenal, you pay over like a million pounds over 70 years. <laughs> he won't care because they needed a centre forward. And you've got him, again, will give you that sort of focal point with Dan Juma obviously getting his goal as well. The problem he's got, we had the same sort of thing plan out in the public, isn't it, with Damari Gray? when um, Demar yeah. Gray has said that um, basically that Sean Dyche isn't telling the truth. He wants to go to Saudi. Exactly. They're not letting him go to Saudi. He's gone on social media again. He's another one who's exposed the, the situation, what, the way he feels about the situation for everybody else without it being resolved. He wants to force through a move. Something positive about Sheffield United, Cameron Archer. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, I'm pleased for him because um, I think he expected to be given an opportunity at Aston Villa that didn't come his way. Obviously played a, a bit part role really for the under-21s in the European Championship. So it was great for a, a young English player to go out and get that opportunity. And I think he'll give them a puncher's chance. Not of, I don't think they're going to stay up, but I don't think they're as doomed as perhaps Luton are. I mean, L- Luton might not win a game. And do you think that Chelsea and Manchester United will finish in the top half of the table? <laughs> I think United will. Oh, okay. Listen, ninth and tenth. All right. Did, did you just That's pipe half, down? Just because you've luckily won a game in the last few minutes of it. Um, side's a good side. He can't wait winning, to get winning. back to his jukebox and play Ice Ice Baby uh, for the rest of the international break. Thank you very much uh, for watching, for listening. Uh, wherever you download your podcasts or wherever you're watching on YouTube, make sure you tell all your friends about the Premier League All Access podcast from TalkSport. We'll be back later in the week to preview the international break. England are in action. They've got Ukraine and they've got Scotland. It's two big games and we'll talk about the squad when we get there as well because there's a a bit of a debate about that, hasn't there? The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.